Hello, everybody. Welcome to Behind the Blade Podcast, Episode 5. My name is Jim Stewart. I'm here today with Matt Martin. On today's episode, we're talking about Microtech and Marfion and how they're setting their sights on Kai USA Limited. Give me your tired, your poor, your automatics. Find out what state is next on the list to fight for Switchblade Liberty. And we interview Todd Begg from Todd Begg Knives and your Q&As this week on Behind the Blade Podcast. All right, welcome back, everybody. All right, lots of new developments this week. Microtech and Anthony Marfione is suing Kai USA Limited and their social media manager. Um, we and we've got lots of details on this. Oh my god, this is this is like we we Matt and I just looked into this. This one's a little crazy. Yeah, I wish you guys could have heard uh, what we were saying before we started recording. We were like, oh shit, we we should probably engage the podcast. Yeah, and move forward from here because. This one's a little hairy. It was a rabbit hole, for sure. We were just about to expend all of our creativity just discussing it with us, you know, and then totally leave you guys out. But 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 here we are. We're starting we're starting things, man. Welcome to the show. So again, Anthony Marfiona and Microtech are suing um Anthony and uh, everyday commentary for defamation, commercial disparagement, and equitable relief over quote, the greatest knife of all time, which was an article that Schulenbro wrote wrote about the Kershaw Natrix and a little bit of the history behind that. And man, let me tell you, there's tensions are super high. You know that they have to be at this point. Because Microtech and Kai have been like trading lawsuits lately. On top yeah, of that. And and we're we're gonna share the link to the original article or to the uh, lawsuit article that we got. I believe we got that from Knife News. Is that correct? Correct. Okay, yeah, we got it from Knife News. The cat's over at knifenews.com. Thank you very much for your contribution. You guys are great. And uh, we will show you the original article to go along with that. I can say right now, without reading the entire thing, Jim, mm-hmm. uh, it's a little inflammatory. Like, <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> but yeah. I mean turnabout is fair play like and no you cannot patent you know knife designs and stuff like that and and so it's you know you can't ip the perimeter of a knife unless it serves a very specific function correct am i understanding that correctly no um you you are you are to a degree you could you could say that a particular perimeter of a knife is your intellectual property because there wasn't any other knife on the market at the time um to, to, you, you could I suppose you, it just doesn't could happen that. that much. I mean, features right, right. like no one the, cares really. I mean, wave, by and large, uh, I think back in the '80s when Spyderco did the pocket clip, right? You know what I mean? Right. Stuff like that uh, that were patentable items. You know, when I say wave, I'm referencing the Emerson wave that op- the pocket opening. You guys know what I'm talking about. But for those of you guys who are still getting hip to it, it's the little hook. It looks like a bottle opener on the spine, spine of edge of a pocket knife, and as you withdraw it, it opens the blade automatically. And so. I mean, there are certain things like that, that you can patent that are genuine innovations, right? Right. Uh, Provable. You can point to it. Exactly. You can point to it and say, this is new. It's right? a feature in and of itself. Right. Uh, in this <clears throat> case, they, they try to – they didn't try to patent it, but I mean, the, holy shit. I right. Mean, if you look between the two knives, and the knives in question – which were the knives, Jim? The knives in question were the ZT0777 and the – what was it called? It was called the. Matrix? It was called yeah. It was called the mini. It was the Matrix and the Mini Matrix. Okay. Yeah. So so they were like like you could almost overlay them. I mean like the the line differences aren't just like subtle, but you can still kind of tell them apart. It's like the Microtechs have like a different shaped fuller 
and that's it. And that's it. And that's it. Which isn't a crime in and of itself. Right. So, I mean, take that for whatever you think it is. You know what I mean? There's, there's a lot of this, uh, but evidently the cats at KAI, they didn't agree with that. So no, definitely they not. Both barrels. They, uh, when, uh, when they came out with the ZT, cause ZT is a sub company of Kai USA limited. Right. right? And so is Kershaw. So, so Kai USA is like the parent company of these two other companies. Um, <clears throat> that, that would be ZT and, and uh, Kershaw, they they use a lot of similar designs. It's all the same kind of house, and they're great knives. But um, but when ZT came out with the zero seven seven seven, um, Microtech seemed to have come out almost immediately during the trial and error phase with a knife called the Matrix, that that looked extremely similar, and and uh, subsequently with with that same design, ZT came out with the zero seven seven F or CF. Which which was a small one, and then Microtech came out with the Mini Matrix, and Mike and uh, Kai kind of got hip to that, and they served them with papers from their lawyer saying you have to stop production of this knife, and they did, they stopped production. So, so to come out with it later, the Kershaw, um, Kershaw out with a, just to keep the timeline of events going, and I'm sorry that I'm choppy, but the timeline of events is, is uh, after that. They they came out with another knife called the Natrix. Matrix, right? So right that's a Kershaw. Words there, you know what I mean? They have right. the the Matrix, and then what was the Microtech variant? Oh, that, no, Microtech was the Matrix. Oh, so it was 077, right. the Matrix by Microtech, right? In parallel, and then the Natrix, right? Which was a Kershaw by Kershaw, which, right? Which which seemed which seemed to follow even even that same kind of design thing called the Natrix, which you could arguably say is the not Matrix, right? right. And uh, besides that. Very obvious naming convention. You can take a look, and the guy in the article goes on to explain what a Natrix is and how well it fits here. <laughs> it's really remarkable. Now, uh-huh. honestly, I don't have an opinion on this. I, no, yeah, I, we, we don't have a dog in this fight. No, we we're, don't. We're observers, man. But I do give out my opinion freely wherever mm-hmm. I can, and yeah. I, I don't. I mean, look, there's a lot of makers that are making – let's use the Dropped Hunter, all right? Sure. And so yeah. everybody has – there have been very few authorized, like very – you count them on one hand, authorized by Bob Loveless to part-for-part part replicate the drop profit, right? Right, correct. Okay. Now, how many people are doing it? Oh, oh the, the right. thousands. Thousands so, of people. And in my mind, that is uh, A, somewhat of a homage, mm-hmm. right, if you yep. want to call it that. B, it's an exercise in the maker's ability to see if they can nail this relatively complex design. For those of you guys who don't make knives, there's certain lines on like a dropped hunter or like on a Dixon fighter or something like that that are just difficult to attain. You can't just look at a picture and duplicate it. And that's my opinion. Anyways. Nope, but, no, uh, no, I've tried to do it. I mean, it's not, it's not easy. It's not easy. By, by any means. So it's, it's pushing your, your limits now. Mm-hmm. So sometimes these homage pieces come out, but rarely do they come out at the exact same time that the other model came out. Right. You know what I mean? That's where it right. becomes a little dubious. And this isn't the first time uh, that I've seen this from – and I'm a fucking fan of Microtech. I, I have no problem <laughs> right. saying that. Yeah. I love their knives. I own some. I, I just – you know, but let's call a spade a spade here. Do you remember the OSS Cobra? No, I'm not familiar with Pull that Pull up one. a picture okay. of right, the OSS Cobra and tell me what knife that looks like. This is a Microtech model that I'm referencing, the OSS Cobra. It's a side-folding lever lock automatic extraordinarily reminiscent of oh my god it's reminiscent of a uh and of course it leaves my brain Check. It, 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 
yeah, yeah, it's it's Mikov. it's Czech. Mykov. Yeah, Mykov. Yeah, Mykov. Mykov. Potato. 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 Tomato. Whatever. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. No. That that's a Mykov. Oh my God. With a with a with a with a glass breaker. <laughs> so right. And I mean, they're slick knives, and they made some design improvements, stuff like that. Now, also, Mykov's been around a lot longer. So mm-hmm. for them as an automatic company to tackle a lever lock in the vein of the original Mykov, okay, maybe some leeway there. Sure. However, the, the fact of the matter is is that whoever was representing this i can't remember his last name Wait, representing what the uh they were saying was a representative of kai Industries. oh 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 that was um that was no it wasn't um anthony schulenbrand it was uh it wasn't him that who published it, no it, no it wasn't him no no it was that was the original publication but in in, in regards to the lawsuit it's a different yeah. guy that's the social media manager of kai usalt right but he's just as a so, representative so sure shell him shell him i'm sorry i'm butchering the yeah, name, I, we know that we're butchering it you can feel Shulambrain, Shulambrenny, I'm not sure. And so, <laughs> Feel free anyways, to correct us. Uh, yeah. The guy who wrote the article initially, I mean, it was a pretty inflammatory article. Oh, my God. So uh, he yeah. pulled no punches, and evidently, he definitely took issue with it. Yeah. And and it sounded like Kai sided with him, or mm-hmm. at least they were in cahoots at some point. Or, or uh, there, because I think that everyday commentary in its own blog is different than, of course, Kai. And so, and right. so but, but here's the thing. Um... Microtech had like served papers to everyday commentary to get the article off the website because of, of defamation and inflammatory comments and defaming of character and everything. And it's, it's pretty defaming of character at the very oh, least yeah, yeah. speaking in the terms of litigation. So I understand that. But then somebody from Kai USA reposted it. Like he right. reposted the article <laughs> on like, Instagram. Not getting off that easy. And it's yeah. not like it's not like I reposted the article as a different knife company who has no other knives like that. Or like or yours. Us talking about it in the podcast who right. like Jim said, we have no dog in the fight. We're just reporting knife news. Right, know? right. It's just really interesting. This is kind of, this is just kind of funny. We're we're up in the peanut gallery kind of chuckling Whoa. at this point. Whoa, <laughs> yeah, look at like, that. Mud so, is slinging. Yeah. Right. We're Switzerland here. So, yeah. So, check that out. On the uh, Behind the Blade podcast on Facebook, we'll have the links to both articles, even the one that was allegedly, it was removed from the original site, but as the way the internet works, it's out there somewhere, so we'll be glad to share that with you guys. Uh, what else do we have? Oh! We have Michigan. Michigan. Michigan joining the fight for freedom for Switchblade Knives. We're so stoked for this. This is fantastic. <laughs> and, and obviously, New Sheffield is a part of Michigan, so we are We're all over this. This is great. I mean, this, uh, this Michigan so... is a part of New Sheffield, like how I took the pompous approach. To oh, oh yeah. Well, yeah, of course, yeah. of course. Kiss the kiss the ring. Yeah, you're a part of New Sheffield. <laughs> the Michigan Senate on Thursday voted to legalize switchblade knives, approving a bill that would lift a longstanding prohibition critics say was motivated by exaggerated depictions spread a half a century ago in movies such as West Side Story. I Doesn't, love it. Doesn't this echo exactly what we talked about? I mean, you guys have heard this, you know, and I think our first episode we covered the Switchblade lift. Uh, This article specifically comes to us via the Detroit News out of uh, Lansing, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. Uh, And so I'm sure it's out of Detroit, but the article is out of Lansing, which is the capital. And, you know, they there's some funny anecdotes in here and it's definitely worth reading. And I love the reality of it. Oh, you know what? My phone just totally threw an ad up in the middle of this, so I'm going to have to wing it. Uh, and it wouldn't let me ban it. It was for 
I'm not going to say who it was because they're assholes. Uh, <laughs> basically, one cop said, I do believe if somebody pulled out a knife during a gang fight, they would probably get shot. And so, like, the it's reality true. is soaking in that these guys who are enthusiasts about knives and carrying around three, $400, some of them are microtechs, uh, you know, these <laughs> automatic knives, these aren't the ones committing crime. And this is no, not definitely a not. bane on society. So <laughs> let's just get rid of it. So I hope they move forward with it. Mm-hmm. And I hope we can get that under wraps. Well, yeah, it, it's an economic barrier. I mean, truly, truly, it is because because I would love to produce automatic knives. Right. You would love to produce automatic knives. Right. Automatic knives sell. We would be really good if we designed an automatic knife. By the way, not that we maybe already have. Maybe we've drawn something up. <clears throat> I want to do it for fun. I, you're right. I honestly find it. I think as more states legalize it, then yes, the marketplace will open up for it. Oh yeah, but totally. As of right now, I still think there's this kind of cloud hovering over it. They're like, "Ooh, I can't buy one of those. They're illegal. They're illegal." I just yes. tried to buy a <clears throat> ballistic Spetsnaz knife off a website today. <laughs> you, you didn't and, tell me that. That's great. Yeah, yeah. And so, so you know, it's a gray area when you come into collecting. You know what I mean? I'm not going to be fast roping down and. and taking people out with it it'd just be no. awesome to have in the basement let's <laughs> like, be honest check this yeah. out i'm gonna shoot this into my dragon board that would be the extent of it i mean i mean really that would be yeah it. just for fun you know what i mean but that, so i think once the cloud of legality is lifted nationwide on the switchblades then i think it op- opens up an earnest marketplace mm-hmm. where people like Jim Stewart and Matt Martin can collaborate and come up with some sweet ass autos. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank Fun you. Stuff. Absolutely, thank you very much to Phil Remington for sharing that on our Facebook page. Again, you guys are fantastic. Our number one, our number one product is fans. Yeah, yeah, that's, it. <laughs> <laughs> that's not that's not conceited or egotistical. No, no thanks, guys. Yeah, we appreciate that, and all you rogue uh, field correspondents, keep the news coming, and uh, and we'll keep reporting on it. So I think next up, next up, man. We have an interview with Todd Begg. Fucking A. And we're, we're really excited to bring this to you. Stay tuned. This segment of Behind the Blade Podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Copis Designs. It's K-O-P-I-S Designs. Colorado-based company that specializes in some very, very well thought out EDC gear. Um, their STK, the sliding tool and knife, just had a very successful Kickstarter campaign. And the thing is like a titanium S35VN toolbox that just fits in your pocket and provides a multitude of functions. Anyways, go check them out at www.copusdesigns.com and you can use the discount code behind the blade for a temporary 10% off site-wide. Everything these guys have to offer. Mention our name because we're so special. Behind the Blade on copusdesigns.com and they will hook you up with a 10% discount. So go check them out on Facebook and Instagram and pop into the website. Be sure to let them know that we sent you. All right. uh, We'd like to welcome to the show Todd Begg of Todd Begg Knives. Todd, welcome to Behind the Blade Podcast. How you doing, bud? I'm doing really good. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. We're really excited and honored to have you on. You're our, our first interview as we got this started, and we decided to swing for the fences, so <laughs> thanks for saying yes. Yeah, absolutely, man. That's awesome. It's my pleasure, guys. I like what you guys are doing, so um, I, I was more than happy to support it, so I think it's neat. It's excellent. It makes our spirits soar. That's yeah, great. We really <laughs> appreciate it. Now, you're, you're out of Petaluma, right? 
I was. I'm uh, out of Dallas, Texas now. Oh, no kidding. Gotcha. Yeah, oh, so when, the, when did you make the move? Uh, about a month ago. Yeah, I moved. I moved my custom shop down to Dallas. Gotcha. Oh, that that okay. That yeah, that's a recent development. Yeah, I had no idea. Nice. Yeah, very cool. Are, are you liking it down there so far? Yeah. Oh yeah, I love I love Texas. It's just great. It my, really is. Especially if you're into guns, guns and knives and all that. This is this is your place. I'm telling you. Nice. Oh, I believe it. Very I totally cool. believe it. Very cool. One of one of my brothers lives in the Dallas Fort Worth area. Actually, yeah. Okay. Says that he loves it down there. Absolutely fantastic. You enjoying it? Yeah. It, it, oh yeah, it's great. It's great. It's it's. Uh, it's so much better for me than California. It's just California was not my type of place. I was kind of fish out of water there. I'm not a. I can totally. I'm not, a, I'm not the vegan hippie one with the earth type. <laughs> Roger that. Roger that. Yeah, I was actually surprised to see that's where you're at. I assumed that you were out of Oregon. But uh, speaking of Oregon, you're just coming off the Oregon Knife Show, aren't you? Um, no, I did not go to the Oregon Knife Show. Oh, you no. didn't? You were? Didn't you just do a show this past weekend, plus or minus, or no? I did not. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> Derek said you were at a show, so yeah, that surprised me. <laughs> then we'll just go ahead and throw him under the bus. Thanks, Derek. <laughs> <laughs> Setting us up. Yeah, that's a. You mean Derek Bone from Knife Ship Free? Yes, <laughs> yes, that would be the one. Derek, Derek Bone from oh, Knife Ship Free. Don't don't throw Derek Bone from NightShipFree.com under the bus. He's a good guy. <laughs> yeah, he is. He is a good guy. He actually liaison this whole uh, situation come together. Uh, I was I was kind of trolling on your website, Todd, and I saw that you have a show coming out on Discovery. Did I get that one right? Well, no, that was uh, it came out several years ago, actually. And, uh, <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah, no, we we. Uh, yeah. We did all this research beforehand, and we're like, we're like, we're gonna ask him a bunch of these really good questions about all these current events, and we're like nine years behind. <laughs> oh no, only about four, four okay. and a half. We don't get out of the shop much to watch a lot of TV, so I'm gonna scrap all my notes because I have no idea how archaic they are, and we're just gonna chat like a bunch of knife freaks because that's what we are, right? Let's just wing it. Just wing it. <laughs> I can Sounds good. It. Sounds good. So, um. So Todd, what what's new? What's new over at Todd Bag and uh, over at Todd Bag Knives? Um, what uh, what new models do you got coming out? Well, on the uh, in the semi custom line and on the uh, Steelcraft line, you know the uh, full size bodega in the Steelcraft series is is recently launched and it's coming out and it's it's getting a lot of response. Um, I'm on the full custom side. I'm still kind of setting up my shop. And uh, just catching up on orders, things of that nature, um, before I actually sit down and design a whole bunch of uh, new stuff. I need to get kind of organized and and reset before I can do that. So, you know, we're some things are in the pipeline that I can't really say that are going to happen yet. So I, I can't really talk about them too much. But you know, knives, new knives, <laughs> new, new. We're all we're <laughs> new all about like that. So. Works out great. All so, about knives. Are you are you operational now, or are you still in the the stages? I mean, we just moved from Colorado to Michigan, so I know it takes a while to get your shop up and running. Are yeah. are you making dust yet? I am. I am, and it's uh, you know everything is completely disorganized, and I'm you know trying to get everything organized like I had it before, and which wasn't super organized to begin with. But at least <laughs> I knew where the piles were. 
Right. And I knew which what things were, were <laughs> what piles. But I need to get my piles organized again. So right. I'm in that stage, and you know, yeah, and the, just kind of get, get things lined out. Totally understand. No, so, I'm 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 exactly that way too. Where where it's like I remember putting this down here in this location. It wasn't exactly a way, but it was right there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of a lot of guys say, "Hey, everything has an exact home." My my tools have more like a region. And I know what region it's in. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, it's next to my sunglasses, or you know, it's in that pile of things over there. Yeah. I, yeah. I think that's just a knife maker thing. I think everyone's a little bit scattered because when you know, especially your stuff. I mean, it's really um, you put a lot of emphasis, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, which I've been like four times in this interview already. So <laughs> feel free to step in. But I mean, you put a lot of emphasis on detail. Uh, your knives are kind of like a Easter egg hunt. You never know what you're going to find. And so, I mean, you have this major artistic side, so I would expect a kind of a disastrous shop with somebody with such an artistic mind. <laughs> well, uh, for one, I appreciate that. But two, yeah, I, it, I do. I do kind of tend to – I have to – let's put it this way. I have to really push myself to stay organized. I've uh, been working with a couple of other knife makers since I've been down here, and one guy in particular is like – he's like a dentist or something. I mean, everything is like – I was working with a screwdriver and set it down, and he put it inside of a toolbox. And I reached down to grab it. I was like, "Where did that go?" Gone. It's yeah. Put away. I'm like, I'm like, "Well, I'm using it." So you set it down. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm a... <laughs> so yeah. So. I... Yeah, when it gets right. fast and furious, man, it's all out on the table, and and it, you know sometimes I feel like an octopus. You know, you're reaching for every tool back and forth, and, and you have that muscle memory as to where you said, oh, "I totally oh, get just that." Just imagine what exactly. we could get done if we had that exactly. many arms. Yeah, uh. no joke. <laughs> so, uh, are you are you mentoring these guys that you're working with down there, or are these uh, pretty established makers? Uh, both, both. Um, some of them are really established guys, and some some are just getting started, and I'm helping them out and. I always, that's one thing I take a lot of joy in is, is helping new guys, you know, especially if, if they're showing a lot of uh, desire and, and determination and aptitude. And even less of the aptitude, just the desire and determination. If they're doing that, then, then I really just love to spend time with guys and help them out. Um, I just recently went to this. Actually, I did go to a show. I went to the Dallas show. And the Dal- uh, there's a knife show here in Dallas, was it two weeks ago? And I went there. And you know, I didn't have any knives for sale, but I set up anyway and just got got to know a lot of the local makers and talking to people and and helped a lot of guys, newer guys that are functioning, you know, barely functioning at this point, but they they have the idea of what's going on and I'm trying to help them get going and, and I'm gonna be joining the uh, Texas Knife Makers Guild. Nice. You know, just a good bunch of guys, all different levels, you know, where they are on their journey on that and so you know, I, wherever I fit into there, if I can, if I could be useful and then great, then I want to do it. So it's a kick-ass attitude. Yeah. It just really is. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm sure you're going to bring a lot to these guys too. It'd be very cool. Well, if I can, that's great. But you know, I don't have that mindset going into it. It's like, Oh, good thing I'm here guys. I'm bringing a lot. <laughs> I didn't mean so it that just, way. I'm sorry. You guys are so lucky. <laughs> <laughs> you great spread the presence. So <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't really, I don't, feel that way about things you know i i am pretty far along as far as you know i have a lot of technical knowledge and and i do help guys you know but there's a lot of things i do that when i show guys you, you just see this glazed look on their eye and there's you can tell they're thinking there's no way in hell i'm gonna do that it's <laughs> overload too yeah. hard. Yeah. i think that's part of the yeah, evolution so too like, no way. 
Yeah, I, I mean, everybody who starts off, they they their their first week, they they think they're Bob Loveless. Yep. And by the second year, they're like, I'm never even going to make as good as a Randall. <laughs> and then if they just are too dumb yeah. to give up, eventually they get to where they need to be in the pecking order. You know? Yeah. Well, it's it's funny. It's the way I try to explain it to guys, um, new guys especially. I'm like, look. Okay, your knife doesn't look like my knife or that knife or whatever knife that you 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 really respect and something where you want to go. I said so. Look at it, analyze and see why. I said, well, he could do you know this this looks good, that looks good. I said, guess what? Those things that that guy's doing, those are tools in his toolbox, and he can design around his tools in his toolbox. I said those skills and abilities are tools that you have to decide that you're going to put in your box and that's only through learning them and practicing them. And then once you master those, then you own it. It's your tool now. And you can, you can do that on your knives and say, but the problem is when you, when you try to skip that very important step, you end up looking like um, a little kid wearing his dad's suit. I said, you, you start, you're outrunning your abilities with your designs and things that you're, that you're not capable of pulling off yet. And it actually hurts you. It looks worse um, on a finished product. So, you know, that, that's the type of thing that on a new guy that I really, and rather than just a lot of these guys will come and they're thinking that, oh, I'm going to get a bunch of little secrets and tips and tricks. And, and then we actually talk more about attitude than anything else. And, and, and that actually helps them, I think, a, a lot more than anything. Nice. No, I, yeah, I totally yeah. agree. That's mm-hmm. really sage-like advice, too, because like you said, you know, this maker may literally, you were using tools as kind of a metaphor, but he may literally have... Right. A tool at his disposal that he uses over. Well, I remember when I got my first one inch wheel on the KMG, I put choils on fucking everything. <laughs> and and so there's a one inch, you know, half inch radius choil on every knife. And then eventually you kind of develop your signature off of that. Doesn't mean every knife has to have it. But as you get these techniques dialed in, you apply them. And now you have your own style yeah. board and you're really fostering that. Well, and it, it's funny you mentioned style because I, I talk to a lot of guys about the importance of developing your own style and the way to go about doing that, you know. And I, I do a lot of analogies to try to explain things to guys. And I say, look, making knives is very much like being a chef. You know, a chef, all these different chefs, they all have their own food, their own skill levels, their own signature dishes, but they all have the same ingredients available to them. How come, how come this guy's doing so good and his, this guy's stuff is amazing and this guy's is nasty? You know, it's like because of what he's putting into it and what he's doing with those ingredients. Mm. And um, I try to teach guys, look, you, you need to take all these different ingredients, compile them in a way that says this is my signature dish or this is the way my knives look. And so you, when your knives have a face, that's an old older knife term that collectors used to use. When they say your knives have a face, that means that a collector can see your knife sitting on a table and know it's yours without seeing the logo. Right. Just by style alone. It's just by the style alone. And that, that's really important for a knife to develop that. But I don't think it's so important in this first couple of years. He needs to develop his basic skills before he can start building uh, with those skills to develop a style. I think uh, achieving a face, if I'm getting this right, is a, is a milestone in a maker. So if he if he's made it there, that's a step that he has made it to, like a rite of passage, if he has a face to his knives, if he has a distinct signature. I, some guys come right out of the box with a style all their own. Other guys, not so much. You know, uh, Most guys are going to do loveless style, style knives for a while. And, and the way I try to help guys out, I'm like, look, don't, don't focus so hard on having your own style that you're outrunning your abilities and you're not constantly putting tools in your toolbox. So 
there's going to be certain operations that you just don't like doing. You're like, I hate doing this on a knife. So guess what? Don't do it. Don't put those on your knife. Don't design them. Don't don't design it that way. And guess what? Your style is probably going to migrate away from that. So <laughs> you have to make some before you realize what sucks or not for you. Right. So what's what's one of yours? What's one of your? I hate doing this. I'm not doing this. That maybe when you first started out, you tried it, and now it's just shit can. Um. Well, I don't know. I, I do a lot. I do a lot. It's probably stick tangs for me. Okay. You know, stick tanks. I just, I just never. I made quite a few of them when I was younger, and I don't know. Just never really gelled with me that much doing the stick tanks. Just never did. Hmm. So I don't. Consequently, I don't do it. And if I'm going to do anything like that these days, I'll do a mortise tang where it's, it's uh, you know, the handles clamshell two halves sure. around a, a smaller right. tang. Absolutely. I'll do that, but but yeah, um, I like them. There's nothing wrong with them, but for whatever reason, it just didn't appeal to me early on, and I kind of. I can do them, I can pull them off and all that, but, and I still do them occasionally, you know, but it's, it's not my thing. It's just not your bag. It's not, it's not my bag. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, it's funny. We all, at some point years ago, I remember talking to Phil Bogazuski and he told me, so, you know what we have to do as a knife maker, we have to sit down at some point, if we want to do this for a living and we have to sit down and be honest with ourselves and say, okay, what do I have to sell? And what, what he meant by that was he, he told me, he said, what I have to sell is I've always had the ability to really tune a folder. He said, I may not be the best designer. I may not be the best grinder, whatever. He goes, but I can tune a folder. He goes, so I decided that's what I'm going to sell. I'm going to sell highly tuned folders. And that's what he focused on. Hmm. No and, kidding. and the knife maker, yeah, knife maker needs to really do that. Um, Jim Schmidt even used to say, I used to, he, he said, you know, obviously before he passed away, he used to say, I used to uh, give away file work to sell, to sell a knife. He goes, now I give away the knife to sell the file work. And that was his, <laughs> right. Because he spent way more time on the file work than he did anything else because that was what he was passionate about and that's what he had to sell. That's what he was selling was all that beautiful file work they did. That's fantastic. So he just went with it. So what what would be your thing what's your your one thing that you're the most passionate about what feature on the knives that you put out the the thing that i have to sell or my my secret weapon i think um, others may disagree is i've always been willing to do the hard stuff that others aren't i've always been willing to look at every surface on the knife and show the collector that i was there first and I did something that surface. I didn't just leave it as milled or drilled or ground or whatever. I, I there's plenty of attention to it. Um, that's kind of w one thing that I've really pushed with my knives from the very beginning is I want I want to do go the extra mile because before I was a well-known maker or anything, I just you know I was trying to compete. I was trying to establish myself. I'm like, oh crap, what can I do? And so you know I'm making these knives at the super high level as, as I could and selling them at beginning knife makers prices. And so that's what I, that's what I had to sell. I had machining ability that, you know, I learned, I learned how to machine so my knives would get better. And, and, um, and I was willing to just go beyond most guys. Uh, Phil Bogazusi was telling me years ago, he said, guys asked him, well, how do you, how do you tune that flipper like you do? this is before bearings and all that. And he's like, well, yeah, I'll be happy to show you or be happy to tell you, but you won't do it. Oh well, yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> and, uh, and he said about half, half, 
halfway through it, the guy's like, screw this, I ain't doing it. Well, he <laughs> taught me how to do it, and I did it. But it took five days to tune one, you know, in those wow. days. It, 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 was, it was a ton of work, and I'm, and I'm doing that and selling it on a $550 knife. But that, those are the types of things that you have to do, the investments in your future that you have to do if you want to succeed in this business. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, those are the things you get, you get to cash in on that later. You don't get that right now. That's, that's something you're putting in the, in the bank, so to speak, for, for a future uh, use. You yeah. know what I mean? If that makes any sense. Oh, no. It's a, it's a personal long-term investment, basically, is what you're doing. You're investing right. in yourself. Right. The time and the time and the money right. and the, and the uh, energy. To, mm-hmm. to, to make sure that the quality of what you're doing later is is right up to par right. for exactly that, what you want to be. And a lot of guys get it really twisted how this thing works, this whole knife thing. And I've heard people say, well, yeah, you know, Todd Bag gets a lot of money for a knife. If, he, if I got that kind of money, I'd do all that kind of work, too. And it's like, it doesn't work that way. Yeah, That's like going backwards. to your boss and saying, hey, if you gave me a raise, I would work harder. You know that, right? You know, <laughs> you've got to do the work first before anybody's willing to pay for it. Right. And there's something gratifying as a maker when you sell a knife that you feel like you charged all the money for and the customer gets the knife and feels like they made a hell of a deal. You know, there's a yeah, real gratification from that. What, what I try to do, and I, and I caution other knife makers to do this too if they can, is try to try to make it where three people can make money on the knife, where you make money – um, a dealer can make money, and then hope, you know maybe a collector at the end, if he ends up selling it, he can make a little money on it. Right. Try to leave a little meat on the bone. Uh, it's hard, you know. It's hard to do that when times are tough, and you know you've got bills stacking up. But uh, if you can leave a little meat on the bone where other a few other people can make money, because then what you get is you don't just get the true believer end user buying your knife. You're getting people to buy them as investment. So you're doubling and tripling and quadrupling your customer base by doing that. Absolutely. I think that's a major uh, peek behind the curtain. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty big deal. I've never heard that one piece of advice. And, you know, I think in everybody's mind, once your knives are viewed as an investment, you've quote unquote made it. And what Todd, what, I mean, what you just told us, I mean, that's a bombshell. I think that it was a great piece of advice to anybody looking for a future in this industry. Yeah, especially if they want an inkling as to as to how to exactly price their knives or price their work. I mean, that was that was that was great. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Good. So, that one was for you guys. Yeah, <laughs> the first one always is, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Are you going to be at Blade Show this year? I'll be there. Yeah. Sweet. I think I think we're both going to be there this year. Um. So yeah, cool. I, I'll just be there walking it. But but Matt, you have a table, don't you? Yeah, I have a booth. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, we'll we'll Good. look forward to running to you there face to face. But yeah, absolutely. And is there anything else that you would like to throw out to makers? Because I mean, you seem to be like this kind of mentor figure, uh, you know, to up and coming guys. Is there any other piece of advice, free advice, that you would like to throw <laughs> out uh, to the guys who are hacking it out right now in the trenches? The the basic the key thing that that any new guy that I would tell them is master the basics, master the basics, master this skill, then go on, then go on. And there's always these incremental steps and levels of difficulty. And you have to learn how to discipline yourself to do what's within your skill set at the point where you can master it. Otherwise you're going to be very, very frustrated 
and you're gonna and you're not gonna have sales and you're you're gonna be making the knives, you know, like the kid that is wearing his dad's suit. So take these logical steps and progression of level of difficulty. Meanwhile, you're offering the customer one hundred percent of your current abilities. I will have I'll have people bring a knife to me that's an older one or whatever and, and I'm doing a better one now, right? And they look at it, they're like, oh, my gosh, are you embarrassed about this? And I say, no, I'm not, because when I built that, that was the best I had. That was everything I had hmm. within me to build to build that, and I'm proud of that knife. I'm, I, would I be proud to produce it now? No, but I'm not there anymore. Right. So, right. So nah. have that mindset and, um, and build on what you're doing and, and logically go forward and, and with your – you know, and a lot of guys are like, "Oh, it's just my materials. I could charge more if I if I use more expensive materials." It's not your materials. Agreed. When you got a guy that can like that that can make a three piece knife with G ten handles and sell it for three grand or something like that, it's obvious it's not about the materials. Right. It's not. It's it's about your skills, your designs, your work on those basics, 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 basics. You always hear that, but. Learn how to grind. Learn how to drill something. Learn about perpendicularity. Another key thing I can I will tell any knife maker if they get a chance, find a local uh, community college that's offering any kind of machining courses, and take it if you can, mm-hmm. and uh, you will be amazed. You will be ana- amazed at how your knives will improve, and it and it has very little to do with just learning the machining aspect of things, getting a mill, this and that. You learn how to measure things. You learn how to see if something's flat, if it's perpendicular, if it's round, you know, how to use calipers and micrometers. You know, you learn about drills, reamers, all these different things, how to produce holes accurately, how to locate things, uh, precision layout. You learn a lot more than just, you know, cranking a mill or a lathe and something that these guys are like, well, I'll never be able to afford one of those. Well, wouldn't it be nice if you actually knew what you were looking at and you could measure things and know if it's going to go together right? So there's a lot of benefits to learning some basic machine or basic machining courses. I mean, that goes back to the, the fundamentals again, learn how to right. grind, learn how to drill. <clears throat> I, I think you hit a good point on that is learn the tips and tricks and practices of basic machining yep. and you can translate to fixed or folders. I mean, Absolutely. it doesn't make any, any fabrication. Absolutely. Uh, Very Absolutely. And, and, then, and then just stair step your way up and, and level of difficulty. That's like, you know, it's like some some fat guy walking in the gym saying, "Hey, uh, I'm gonna start working out and next week. I think I'll run a marathon." It's like it's not happening, dude. <laughs> right. you, need to, <laughs> you need to go over there. You need to start eating right. You need to get on that treadmill for a little bit for a couple months, and then we'll go. You know what I mean? These are steps. Baby steps. You know, yeah. like right. This time, this time, this time, a year and a half about maybe, if you're if you're diligent, but not right now. You know and. And knife makers need to think the same way. They need to develop their skills. You know, don't don't be afraid to bite off a little more than you can chew once in a while to challenge yourself because that's how you grow too. But you grow in a very logical, progressive, step by step by step. They're like the building blocks. Hmm. You know, that... if, if, if you if you think of it like that, you will progress faster. Excellent. That's that, that's fantastic advice. I yep. think, yeah, I think, I think even even Matt and I just sitting here, we're like, we're 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 thinking about how can we do these things. Oh yeah, man, yeah, <laughs> I, and and that's it. It all goes back. I mean, Todd, I, I'm listening to you talk. I listened to the interview on Derek's website. Um, I mean, you oh. are a cat who is brimming with passion, and I mean, Jim and I are obviously. I'm a, I'm, I'm a go, passionate cat. 
Yeah, exactly. And I think that's what it takes. And, you know, every, like you mentioned earlier, oh, you know, Todd charges a bunch of money for his knives. Yeah, well, you've been passionate about it a long time, and you've pushed yourself to grow. And I, it's not success by attrition. You've just kept going where other ones have fallen off, but you're always up in the bar. And I, I really think that uh, your model is, is a great one for success. And they don't have to look like your knives. They don't have to talk in analogies like right. you do. They just... I think any new maker who wants to be an old maker that people recognize has to harness that passion and drive. And, and that's, that's what I'm getting from you, man. It's essential. It's essential. I mean, you can be around, you can be around for a long time and you don't want to be known as that guy that made that one cool knife. Once. You know what I mean? You want to right. be a guy that's kind of resting on his laurels on something he did 25, 30 years ago. It's still selling it, and it's not as good as he did 25, 30 years ago. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? <laughs> there's no passion in that. For me, there's nothing, there's nothing interesting in that. You know, if, you, if every time you go to a guy's table every year or every year and a half, whatever it is, and you look at his knives, and they don't even look like they're made by the same guy, that's what's cool to me. Hmm. Like, dude, you know? Hmm. Hmm. So, Ever evolving. Yeah, yeah cha- constantly changing, constantly evolving, pushing the limit. Going well, I, I don't. I don't mean design-wise. I'm talking about his execution. Right. Right. Yeah. If you if you go to his table and it's like, whoa, man, it looks it looks a hundred times better than the last time you saw him. Well, guess what? He's really, really looking to to perfect his craft. And another really key thing I, I, I like to tell new makers is pay attention to what's not being said about your work. Ooh. It's counterintuitive, but people typically are very polite mm-hmm. and they won't say, wow, dude, your grinds suck. They just won't <laughs> say that. They just, so what they'll do is they'll avoid the, the subject and they won't say anything. And case in point, years ago, I was at the blade show and I was doing all these inlaid handles and cool stuff, but my grinds weren't up to par yet. Mm-hmm. And the guy next to me, I was listening to his customers. Everyone was saying, dude, your grinds are cool. They're sick and blah, blah, blah. I was like, huh? I didn't hear that about my grind. Right, so yeah. I work my butt. I, I work my butt off all year on my grinds. Practice, practice, made it a priority. And then guess what? Next year at Blade Show, I tested my theory. I'm like, dude, your grinds are amazing. They're coming up. Oh my god, your grinds are improved. I was like, aha, there it is. So you pay <laughs> attention to what's not being said about your knives more than what's being said because you get blinded by that. Mm-hmm. Sure. You, you know, everybody likes accolades and all that, but you get blinded by that. Right. And you're like, oh, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Everybody's complimenting me on this and that. Okay, good. But what are they not complimenting you on? And that's how you grow. That's where to put your Hard attention stuff. next. Yeah. That's, that's, that's excellent right. advice. I'm actually going to take that. That's amazing. You should yeah. write a book, man. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have you on again to interview about it. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. All right. No, was good. Use that. I mean... For me, you know, I help as many people as I can because I'm passionate about the craft. I don't want to, like, develop a great process and go, ah, I'm taking that to my grave. What did that do for the craft? Nothing. It just, it just glorified me and made me look better, but it didn't help anybody else. Right. What I want to do is have other guys say, look, guys, I figured this out, man. And boom, all of a sudden knives in general get better because ultimately I want knives to be viewed as art, and I want us to be paid like artists get paid because we have the same level of passion. So I think that if we all work together as an industry to elevate the craft as high as we possibly can so we're not just seen as a bunch of backyard craftsmen, hmm. I, 
to me, that's my passion. It's like I want the whole craft as a whole, you know, and if a guy's willing to learn it and do it and practice it, then guess what? I'm going to show it to him. Nice. Yeah. We, 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 uh, I know Matt and I hold roughly the same mentality. None of us are, you know, uh, None of, none of us have restrictions on sharing any sort of information with anybody or any new makers or anything. We're always about you know, free and open information, and I think we feel kind of the same way. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. anything I can do, I, I teach to as many people as are willing to listen when they come to the shop. I haven't been at this, obviously, as long as you have, Todd, but uh, even, even if they copy exactly what I, do, what I do, they can't do it exactly like me. They just take it on another tangent, and they, like, going back to our first conversation, they develop their own style based on that teaching, but it's not... Uh, I'm not worried about anybody ripping me off. I'm with you 100%. Jim and I are on the same page. We want this to to grow. We want the whole industry as a whole, like you said, to to get bigger, to get stronger. Obviously, the marketplace has played into it. I mean, there is some crazy shit out there collecting eight, ten thousand dollars from living makers, from living makers. <laughs> These guys are still yeah, alive. Yeah, and so yeah, no, I I think yeah. it is growing, and I think it's on a, a good tangent. But it's up to everybody to kind of carry the weight and keep it going that direction. Right. So, you know, we, like I said, we can't rest on our laurels. We have to just continue to, uh, you know, and this is, you know, I'm in the knife makers guild. And so this, this mentality is really pushed there and I, and I'm really pushing it there for, you know, improvement guys. It's like, you know, we, this is the guild It's supposed to be the elite. You're supposed to set the, set the example of improvement and quality and standards. And this is what we're trying to do with the guild. And I think that that's so important, especially for a new guy that comes in and goes, well, I made a knife that's actually sellable. I'm done. You know, that's all I got to do is make this from here on out. You know, a lot of guys have that type of mindset. And to me, that's not a true knife maker. It's a guy that learned how to make a product well enough to sell it. And a true knife maker wants to improve. Um, To me, a, a guy that has it in his soul, you don't have to convince him to do a better job on it. If he's really passionate about it, good luck trying to stop him. He's hungry difference. for it, right? Yeah. He's hungry for it. You don't have to convince him of anything. You have to just maybe give, guide him because he's pushing in that direction regardless, with, with or without your help, with or without your prodding or your, you know, there, if a guy's like that, look out, man, because he's going to the top. Here, here. That's awesome. Now, here, was, here. Has, the, has the guild changed over the years? Is, is this. Uh, because at one point, knife making was kind of this arcane practice. You know, everybody had their methods and their voodoo, and they applied it. Is the guild more open now? Are they into share and it, share it alike? Definitely is. It definitely is. And the, the thing that you're talking about, that uh, there was a, a big, big series of fights and problems in the guild stemming from the use of CNCs. Well, finally, they said, okay, fine. We understand this is a new modern technology. It's not going away. Um, so you have to at least hand grind your blade. And so they said, okay, fine. They amended the bylaws. And to my knowledge, I was the first openly CNC'd knife maker to, to join the guild. And I, and I was more than expecting to be shunned when I, when I first got there. But I was swarmed with guys. They're like, wow, man, we're happy you're here. And what do you think oh, about this? What do you think about it? It was nice. a completely different thing than I thought. So there's still kind of that old guard mentality there that don't understand CNCs. But the only people that ever say anything about it are A, knife makers, <laughs> B, people that have never, knife makers that have never seen a CNC so, gotcha. or used one. All right. Those, Those are, are the guys. Threatened. Customers, right. that's Go it. Yeah. Customers don't care. Customers <laughs> think you're an idiot if you don't 
don't have one. <laughs> right. That's funny. Those who are threatened and those who do not understand. <laughs> yes. And they're right. usually they're usually wearing the same shoes. Same shoes. Gotcha. <laughs> Very cool. So yeah. Well, Todd, thank you for this interview, man. Um we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and wrap it up. But um thank you, man. This interview was absolutely fantastic and you're you're a great guy. We love your work and we're really looking forward to seeing what's more coming from you, man. Yeah, good. Todd. Well, hey, Matt, Matt, Jim, it was my pleasure, and uh, good luck with your venture. I'm doing this podcast and all this. I think it's a great thing. Anything we can do to you know, to further the craft. Good job, guys. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank I appreciate so much. it, and uh, we'll see you in June, bud. Okay. You guys have a good evening. Thanks, right. you too. So, I hope you guys really enjoyed that interview. I know that Jim and I were just really stoked. And and I tell you what, I, not to go back to the interview, I know you guys just heard 30 minutes of us talking to Todd, but uh, or 30 minutes plus or minus. Mm-hmm. But, I, I mean, the truth is, when you meet successful people, their passion is infectious. Absolutely. And so, I mean, you just can't bridle that. I mean, we're we're just stoked. We're we're high on the interview. It was great <laughs> speaking to somebody who is is at least as passionate as we are, if not to the nth degree more. I mean, that's some pretty inspiring shit. So, <laughs> I am inspired. Jim, are you inspired? I am so inspired. I'm gonna go make some more knives. That's, right. that's exactly what I'm gonna I'm do. I'm so inspired. I'm going to answer some questions from the Q&A department. Hit that. (laughs) All right, let's go. Uh, Okay, first on the list. And just so you guys can understand the mechanics behind this, we are not deleting your comment because we think you're an asshole. Although if you are an asshole, we will delete your comment. But We'll uh, do it before no one else can see, though. Exactly. That's the difference. It helps us keep tabs on what (laughs) questions we have already addressed and which ones we have yet to get to. And and to help us do that better, any questions you guys have – is best directed to our email, which is info at behindthebladepodcast.com. If you email that, I promise you, the first person to email us will definitely read your question online. Era, I don't wait know a minute. about that one. Yes, like, we'll, we'll put a pin wait, in that. Wait, wait, yeah. knife-related questions. Knife-related yeah. questions. Uh, <laughs> in fact, yeah, I don't mind being the heavy on this. Uh, if And I know we posted up the question boxes and everything like that, but please, we have, you know, Jim has his business. Uh, he, you know, he, he was running Bark River Knives. I'm running Vehement Knives. I've got my personal circle, this, that, and the other thing. This is something that we're doing strictly for fun on the podcast. Please make it easy on us, guys. Email us to one source info at behindthebladepodcast.com. So if you email to info at behindthebladepodcast.com, we have one source that we have to check for all your questions. Correct. Let's get right to it. Jordan Richard Wagner, question for both of you. That's us. Right. Okay. Oh, okay. What was, what was the hardest thing for you to learn, master, when you began to make knives? What is still oh. tricky for you? Oh, you know what? I think we answered this one. Did we? Yeah, I think we answered this one on a previous podcast. This is why I delete them. <laughs> we answered this one. Jordan, but- if we didn't actually address that, then email us. If we did, so- <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> so what I had answered before was uh, was was, was learning, learning how to deal with my own failures. Really was was the answer that I had given before. Ooh. But as far as a technical thing, was I here for that? Yeah, you were here okay. for that. Yeah, I only do the show with you, man. <laughs> so That's a good answer. It's got depth to it, man. <laughs> right, right. Well, well, that that was the number one thing. But as far as a more technical thing, believe it or not, I still have a little bit of trouble grinding flat grinds. 
total flat grinds. Uh, convexes, I can do all day long. I can do blindfolded. I can right. do in my sleep. I can do in any height you want. But that was how I grew up. I grew up on just pure, just straight up convex, convex edges, maybe, yeah. slack grinding, making sure the blade's cool and dipped and the integrity and that, that whole thing. But so flat grinding actually to actually relatively new. So it's like I'm, I, feel, I feel pretty nubile when I'm on that platen trying to, trying to grind. But I am learning. Getting ready to level up. Oh, yeah. yeah no, totally. That's my next level up is making sure that the, that the grind lines are nice and sharp and flat grinds. It's I've going great. I've seen Jim's flat grinds. They're fine, guys. Don't, don't let them They're, they're not that good. <laughs> but thank you. Okay. So, that was for me. Next. All right. Charlie Mosley, did we cover your steals yet? This is kind of a new thing that we're trying to delete. I don't this think so we covered we this one. Inundated. Uh, and this one's come up a bunch. The steals, different steals, what makes each special. Um, all right, Charlie. You're a vehement nice fan. I appreciate you. I remember you. I remember making your kukri. I think you have something else from us, too, if I'm not mistaken. But I do remember you. Um Steals. So what do we have? What, what do we have that's relatively quantifiable, sort of? We have hardness, edge retention, toughness. And strength. Corrosion, corrosion resistance. Corrosion resistance, yeah. Strength is a weird one. So yeah, I get a yeah. little murky between toughness and strength and hardness, and I think they're yeah. tied together a I, little bit. I, I, I kind of... So how it was explained to me was toughness. There's there's toughness, there's strength, and there's hardness. So hardness is the density, and it's the heat treat, and it's and it, and it relates to edge retention. Toughness is like your lateral, your right. lateral yeah. flexibility. So, I mean, it's quite literally how tough is the knife? How right. much can it stand up to lateral lateral stress? Right, which is actually which is actually like your side to side. So it's like yeah. So all those times that you use your knife as a pry bar to open a can of paint or something like that that you're not supposed to be doing with a knife anyways. Right. Um, Although that that is testing its toughness, its lateral stress Correct. abilities, yeah, and so uh, some steels are bomber edge holders. Yep, absolutely fantastic edge holders. Great example, Elmax. Right. Elmax will hold its edge for a very long time. It's also extremely stainless. Great on small knives. Great on folders. Holds its edge for a very long time. But you know, just like when you're playing the race car video game playstation or whatever it is you're like oh you know this will give you higher speed but your handling goes down you know what i mean yeah so it's a trade-off a, a slider you know yeah exactly. yeah it's a trade-off you only like let, let, let's say that you could only have like a dice that rolled th like a like a number three right. and you could only roll it four times and you had to try to get as close to 20 as possible yeah i mean, I mean like there's 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 always trade-offs of what you're going to have to sacrifice to be able to get the best thing that you want if you want high that was jim's inner gamer coming out right it, there by I, the way. i'm totally a gamer i'm a star wars nerd gamer <laughs> And I fucking love knives. It's great. So, so, um, man, where was I? I totally fucking lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. I no, it's all good. It's you. all good. Uh, it's the trade off. So, what we yeah. have is we have edge retention, yes. which is great in L Max, but uh, let's be honest, in a workhorse camp knife, yeah, it can get a little chippy. It will chip on yeah. you, and 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 uh, and that's just because its toughness is way down. I mean, it, it'll it, it it probably will not rust. It will hold its edge for a long time. But if you make a big knife out of it and you start smacking a tree with it, you're probably gonna chip your edge out or or, or break it or 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 just break the knife in half in general. But if you're I in mean, an urban environment and your main tasks are not sap wood or, or even like you know hardwoods or pines or what you're not doing camp tasks you're not chopping and hacking away but you are opening cardboard boxes you are opening envelopes you're opening mm -hmm. things that have a high uh what do they have silicon in them or sand yeah yeah, yeah. In sand, especially in cardboard and yeah. it just waste the edges of knives so mm -hmm. having something that holds up like a2 or something like that that holds up to these hardcore chopping tasks you know it's going to go blunt very quickly yep on these cardboards and adhesives and all that stuff absolutely max really shines out right but you can chop all day with a2 
Exactly. Right. So, so right, right. So you, you can make a kukri out of A2 and a kukri out of Elmax. I guarantee you that the one out of Elmax will chip first. Yeah. Even though the cut will be nicer. Absolutely. I mean, and, and so, so everything's kind of this giant chart of trade-off. So what else so, do we have? So we are, Lmax is a hot one. S thirty five VN. Uh, it's it's similar to three. It's much tougher. It's much tougher, I think. Um, but the edge retention isn't as high as like M three ninety or Lmax. No, and, and some and, people love it, and mm-hmm. it's it's not for me personally. I don't, I don't much care for it. But now mm-hmm. there's something like three V. Right. Yeah, three V is a really kind of an amazing steel. Now I, for what it's worth, I like S thirty V too, and I know you guys are going to lambast me for that. <laughs> I like S thirty V. You guys know where I sit on all that. I like ATS-34 the best, but I can't get it. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, 3V is kind of an anomaly because toughness is so far off the charts. It's, it's incredible. It's it's probably my favorite steel right now with crew with CPM crew wear fast approaching because um it's supposed to be tougher and sharper than 3V. And I think corrosion resistance up on uh, That I don't know. I'd have to look at chromium levels. Yeah. But but I know that uh, C, uh, CPM 3V has 8%, so it's not technically a... 8% chromium, so it's not technically a stainless, but with the vanadium and the chromium, they kind of work together to be... to have more of a stainless property. I feel like 3V so, is what people think D2 is. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, yeah. I that's, that's a great example. I think that's what it yeah. is. Yeah. It's, it's like D2 definitely gets a bad rap and overblown kind of at the same time in yes. both in both in both underwhelming performance and overwhelming performance it gets overblown both ways. Because D, you can make a decent knife out of D2, but again, proper things have proper applications. I'd make like a mid or small size knife out of D2 and it'd be sharp as hell. Yeah, I mean Bob Dozier, but, you know, he's really got the heat treat and the grinds and everything to go with it to really get the most out of D2. I, I would agree with that. Yeah, he's, I, he's a great knife maker. I, he is, mm-hmm. but I mean, he's a great D2 knife maker. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has Definitely. got that motherfucker cornered. And so <laughs> I, I, if I was going to get a D2 knife, I would get, you know, uh, Stout, JB Stout. I have a D2 uh, little drop hunter and i hate i hate d2 guys i, I <laughs> yeah, cannot that, you carry that for a while that's right yeah i carry yeah. i still carry it all the time i just don't have it on today because i'm not carrying a fixed blade for whatever reason um uh-huh. i was probably late <laughs> but, uh, it's like i got stuff to do i can't yeah, grab anything no, right uh, now you know so but that knife did really good so however mm-hmm. you know jason's doing his heat treat but i mean bob dozier is the man when it comes to d2 so i, I would seek out a knife from him in that steel from 99.9 percent of the other makers the the old rumor is it takes a shitty edge, but it holds it forever. Yeah. And so, I mean, yeah. that's true. And yeah, so- that's, that's, that's totally true. I mean, we, we made knives forever ago. Back when we had the barn, we made, like, somewhere out there, I swear, somewhere out there is a is about 15 games keepers. Just chucked out. In <laughs> D2. <laughs> no somewhere kidding. in yeah. D2. It took us, like, a week to grind them because we had no idea how to do it. Dad, right. at the time, was was taught us how to grind 5200, 5160, A2. As, and A2 was, like, our workhorse steel. Like, at the time, A2 was just like, oh, my God, it's A2. It's, it'll take us forever to grind these. D2 blew that time out of the water with yeah. how long it took us to grind They're those. They're like, oh, my God, these knives take us X amount of belts. And then you go to D2, and you're like, I've just gone through three contact wheels, dude. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, I mean it's crazy. Um, yeah, it's yeah, true I though. Mean, that's that's D two for you though. You know what I mean? So I mean you can really. Uh, there's always the latest and greatest. There's I'm playing with bottle caps. I know it's bad radio. I'm sorry. That's guys. okay. I have to. I'm a fidgety guy. I have to take. Away. <laughs> I'm like that. Uh, I'm like that too though. I flattened a bottle cap. Right. I was sitting in front of my that computer. That, that, that's what that yeah. was. I, I took but my wrench a, out and I'm flattening with it while I'm watching a movie or something. Was a doubloon. <laughs> it uh, totally looked like it. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I I hate getting into the steel discussion because truth be told. A uh, few things are going to perform better than VG10. I mean, ATS34, right. yeah. 154CM uh, that are going to be noticeable on a scale. But a lot of people like collecting the best in the exotic. And I say go for it. 
Uh, for me, I'm going to stick to 154 CM. Yeah, what? Uh, yeah, 3V. 154 CM steel, 3V, 3V, and CPM crew wear are probably my two favorites. So if I were to pick, if I were to pick, you know, narrowing it down to just one perfect steel that I could just make everything out of, it'd probably be CPM 3V or crew wear. But that's like nitpicking, and I and I really want to yeah. stress that that I'm kind of I'm kind of with Matt on this one. You can get a really really nicely made knife out of ATS 34 that holds its edge for a reasonable amount of time. No, yeah. Oh, I, I mean, mean a, with, a, 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 I mean beyond reason. Yes, yes, absolutely a reasonable uh, amount of time. I mean, under yeah. hard use, you can get a reasonable usage out of it. I mean, that's yeah. why we use it for so long. It's it's geometry. It's heat treat. Those mm-hmm. those are the important things. Right. I mean, it's like, and then and then after that, if you can have one maker produce one knife in several different steels, then you can start nitpicking the small differences if you choose to. If you. And I don't want to be a dick. I mean, you guys are all pretty savvy. Uh, you're obviously doing something. Uh, you're, you're in a vocation that is lucrative, which means you're probably a pretty sharp cat. I mean, if you're dropping major coin on high-end custom knives with these exotic steels mm-hmm. anyways, or at least you're good at finances. You know, so, I mean, well, you're not idiots. You guys are smart people. Mm-hmm. However, I would be astounded if I handed you a crewwear knife and a 3V knife and you could tell me the difference. Oh, yeah, totally. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that would, so, and, yeah, I, I mean, these yeah. are smart people in the know, yeah. know knives intimately, and you <clears> would be hard-pressed. Now, the difference mm-hmm. between a carbon and a stainless, sure. I mean, there's very simple tests you could subject it to. But I'm just saying, mm-hmm. that's just Matt Martin's opinion on the matter, <laughs> is that I would be astonished if anybody could honestly tell me from steel to steel, because yeah. the truth of the matter is, to make it to a blade steel, they're already phenomenal workhorses yeah they're, they're, they're it's almost overkill speaking historically yeah speaking historically we're at like we're at like the pinnacle of like yeah. supreme so knife where steels. does bronze sit in the <laughs> spectrum yeah, yeah s30v and a2 and you know bronze yeah. <laughs> it's like well <laughs> and they won wars with that shit kids they so did don't yeah absolutely that. all right so, let's get on the next question next and, and that's gonna be the last of the steel questions i'm not gonna lie guys i, I hate getting it because they're <laughs> They start a little battle, and it's all for naught. So, anyways, uh, AJ Bird, how do you guys feel about your customers modifying your knives or copying them for their own use? So, I've actually had people contact me, other other knife makers, small, or just you know, smaller knife makers that we that we know and that we don't know, and say, "Hey, Jim, I don't have three hundred dollars for one of your Bravo ones. Um, would it be okay if I just kind of made one?" My res- and my response is I sent them the CAD drawing. <laughs> that's awesome. That's, that, that's and and sorry, bad radio, but I'm totally opening a beer. But my response was to send them the CAD drawing. Yes, go for it. Make it. Absolutely. Go for it. Hone your skills, make the knife that you make the knife that you want even if it's one of mine or if it's not one of mine. The point is is that if you're a knife maker and you want my help, I'm going to give it to you. There you go. 100%. I think you guys were able to glean some of that from Todd's discussion, too. I don't know if he advocates knocking off other makers' designs. Well, well, but, but it's, it's with total case, permission, and, and, it, yeah, and, and it's awesome. it's a stand-up thing. I mean, that's yeah. the most high-road course uh, on the maker who said, I, I can't afford the knife. But, I mean, that's how we all started. I mean, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And me, I'm fortunate. I'm not big or famous enough to where everyone's like, oh, boy, your designs are badass. I'm going to rip them off. I wish. You know what I mean? <laughs> we should all be so lucky because I tell you what, everybody, as you guys heard in the interview, everybody touches on a loveless design now and again, you know, just to try to air it out. I'm I'll rip off one of your designs, Matt. Uh, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, modifying them, it's your knife. If you paid for it. Yeah. 
go bananas on it. You know what I yep. mean? Go Mongo on it. I don't really care. You know, well, most reputable knife makers will back it up with a, a decent, solid warranty. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little weird. I've never thought of it that way. But then I also <laughs> think of hours and days and months of me taking yeah. a Dremel to otherwise perfectly good knives being like, you know what? This needs some fucked up jimping on the spine because <laughs> yeah. so, I'm yeah. capable of really messing this up. Right. And so, yeah. So I guess that's, uh, that's where we stand on that. Um, I, I get to request for modifications all the time in our line of knives for them to do it themselves. Uh, well, for them to either do it themselves or send it in and have us make their dream come true. If you will, it happens to us all the time. I'd say that ninety-five percent of all of our quote warranty work, and it's not—it's not actual warranty work. It's—it's—it's it's, dream work. It's—it's—it's—it's—it's uh, it's, it's, it's spot treatments, sharpening, bringing the polish back, and hey, I have this classic drop point hunter, but I thought this choil would look really good here. Would you do this for us? Okay, I can take one sec. I can take two seconds and go on a three-quarter inch small wheel and fucking. I'm a make choil that. fan, so yes, right, it would right. look great there. And and. and <laughs> That's that's a little bit of inspiration. A classic drop point hunter with an extra inch and a choil. Okay, yeah, yeah. draw yeah, that. Yeah. Get it done. So so um we actually have no problems doing that in the shop. Um we we typically always say yes unless unless we feel that it's like a detrimental to the design. Like if it's so stupid and it's we gonna have our say, name on it. Yeah, exactly. You yeah. know, that, that we're gonna have our name on it. Sometimes we'll say no if we totally disagree with it. But if it's a minor modification or if it's a new blade that we still think looks cool, ask us. By all means, and and then and then we'll we'll try to accommodate because because as Matt said, you bought the knife. It's your knife, your knife yeah. and it's part of our and it's part of our service to make sure that you're satisfied. Go ape shit. Yeah. So I mean, go go crazy, go ham. I mean, like we've had guys send it, send in entire knives with Sharpie marker all over it. <laughs> I want this, 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 this. this <laughs> and it's yeah. like, well, it's getting a Barker customized stamp, but yeah, we'll do it. Sure. <laughs> so. So there you go. Yeah. AJ, that's exactly how we feel about people taking Dremel store knives. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we we'd prefer that you just send it into us with your with your vision and let <laughs> us do it. If you want to do it, go for it. Our warranties are still in effect, but you know. No, I mean I'm all about <laughs> it. You know what I mean? And like I said, we don't we're not that prolific to where it makes a difference. Usually, they're targeted acquisitions when people purchase from you know vehement. You know what I mean? So it, sure, it is what it is. But uh, I think with you guys, you have a bigger brand, more knives out there. Um, mm-hmm. So for us, it it would, it would take a sack. <laughs> to turn and be like, oh, I just got this custom knife that I waited 18 to 24 months for. <laughs> it's it's yeah, true. Yeah, look over the choil. Honey, <laughs> get the die grinder. Get that stone wheel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, I mean, but hey, yeah, that's how it's how we all started. You know yeah, what I mean? So I, I wouldn't want to hamper that at all. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Seth Christofferson. Next. Chris Christofferson is one of my favorite. I think it's a different spelling. I think it's with a K. Yeah. But, songwriters of all time. Right. Uh, anyways, uh, for Jim and Matt, new designs. Do you each have a sketch pad of new designs you have thought of and saved for later? Or do you go off the cuff? Let me swallow some of the gallon of spit that's in my mouth right now. And <laughs> it just always take, forms when you're talking. Yeah, and just yeah. take a bar of steel and start cutting. I've never done that. Which one? <laughs> the, the second one. Oh. To take a bar of steel and start cutting. I did that today. Did you do that today? Yeah, I did that today. Wow. You're a brave man. I'll show it to you. All right, cool. I'll um, show it to you when it's done. I've I've never done that. Um I guess I guess it's just because I, I my father is who he is and that's where I learned. You always start with a design on pencil and paper, drawn as clear with French curves and proper holes and the proper placement, everything measured as possible. You do that as much as possible, and then you transfer that to the steel with dicum with Dykem and a scribe. That's just how I've always made customs. 
or or brand new nut. It's it's just kind of a it, it's 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 how I've always done it. I know that my father in his younger years used to do that, and then I guess he kind of graduated into a pre-engineering phase, and then that, I just kind of picked right up on the pre-engineering phase. Now, I'm actually working the opposite way. Are you really? Well, so like yeah. a real design, so like yeah. if I conceptualize the design, I'm doing less print work. Mm-hmm. I mean, guys, I have books and books and books, not just of line drawings, dimensioned line drawings. I mean, they are a functioning blueprint. You can hand right. them to any machinist and they can take that and make it into a 3D reality. That's awesome. And so, and mm-hmm. I have books and books and books of this and I used to really enjoy it. And what I found out is that I was taking, now, and I'm, this isn't, I don't speak in absolute, I never speak in absolute. <laughs> <laughs> Only a Sith deals in absolutes. <laughs> and so, I, I, you know, I just, uh, I'm not speaking in absolutes. So for, you know, production lines, obviously we have to design a lot. You know what I mean? Or even just a standard model that I replicate over and over again. I like to have everything wired pretty tight. But, uh, I mean, sometimes when you have the idea of the knife, you can just liberate it from the steel. I can just let it out. You know what I mean? Like I'll just, and I'm not saying like, Oh, I'm this I'm Michelangelo. I'm just yes, a you guy are. in a garage, man. And so, <laughs> you know, now I guess I have a shop of fluorescent lighting, but previously, you know, that, I've seen his fig garage. leaf. He is actually Mag- yeah, Michelangelo. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, yeah. So, I mean, sometimes I will just take like an end cut. I'll, I'll give you an example. We have two knives are going to blade and they're going to be weird as shit because they were too short for any knives that we currently made or had developed. And I said, but they were too long to throw in the trash. And I said, here are these little six-inch, you know, pieces of steel, these end cuts that, you know, from everything else, the outfall. And so I made a loveless dropped hunter scaled down to six inches long. Holy crap. With a three-inch blade, and I'll taper the tag and have fun uh-huh. with it. But I kept trying to draw it, mm-hmm. and I'm actually better behind the M behind the pencil. So, oh. and, so I, like, <laughs> yeah. and I tried to draw it. It looks like craft time at summer camp or whatever. That's how my drawings look too. Yeah. So right. I was like, I'm just going to try it. And the worst thing I'm out is something that I was contemplating throwing away. So we'll see how it comes out. Right. Now, as far as the second half of your question, or maybe we haven't even addressed the first, we just started talking. Um, uh, do each of you have a sketch pad of new designs you have thought of and say for ah, later yes. do you go off the cuff and just take a bar of steel and start cutting so I think we answered your question backwards so right. back to your first question right. do you, Jim do you have a bank of sketches that you're dying to make I have I have a bank of sketches and then I have a, a subfolder almost if you will in there of the stuff that I've pulled out of that that I really want to tackle the later elite. yeah like 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 an, like an elite folder so what and and then what I'll do is I'll go back to the original folder if I'm looking for something new or fresh or something that I've designed before or an element of something that I want to pull into a design but I do have a file of of designs that I really want to execute at some point most of them at this point are actually folders I think you, you just not. raised yeah. an interesting point too is an an element of design. Yeah, and so I think as a maker designer, um, I think it's imperative that we're all constantly evolving. <laughs> right. And I've looked back to my sketchbook. There's one or two that I'm like, you know, I might be able to do this now. Mm-hmm. But five years ago, I wasn't the same designer. Right. So what yep. I thought was a home run then, I'm like, and it's still a decent knife or what? You know, maybe it is or maybe right. it isn't. I don't know. But I'm just like. I'm not really into that anymore. It just doesn't fit what you're doing. No, and I just, it would be clumsy to try to achieve it through my eyes five, six, seven years ago. You know what I mean? And so I I don't think it would work. So like right now we're focusing, like I'm focusing on guards. 
Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Todd. You are focusing on guards a lot. Yeah. Todd had made this mention. He's like, you know, listen for what it's saying. And, yes. Uh, which, I mean, I think it's sage-like advice for sure. But I, I can tell you right now that we've implemented this in the vehement shop already. And it's, it's, uh, my guards, uh, there was something about him. It was lacking. If you guys ever watched Metalocalypse or Death, Death Clock, yeah, he's a little more jazz. He's you know a little more jazz. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Uh, like, uh, it, it just needed a little bit more, you know, pop to it. Mm -hmm. So right now I'm focusing on guards. So that design element mm -hmm. is in the here and now, because at one point I was like all about how re can I get this curve? <laughs> <laughs> right. And so I think things change. And uh, so I, I think your backlog, you know, your, your catalog of old drawings, I think very few will actually fall through the mesh of who you are now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what, what, what it can be is you can be a history of your own maturity as a knife maker. Word. And, and uh, your final line is not a history of that. Your final line is a, is a history of your company's production. It's not a history of who you are as a as a knife maker, and so I mean, like I've got knife drawings that are maybe twenty years old right. that that I just like look back on and I went and I'm like, ha, those are terrible. Yeah. I'd never do those now, but you can still get inspired and you can still be like, man, and you can pull some confidence from that, and that's okay. You can do that. You can you can you can be like, man, look how far I've come as a knife maker, and allow yourself to feel a little bit of pride in that and use that as fuel to make your next project even better. As long as you don't get like a huge. You know, a huge flipping head right. over yeah, it, yeah. of course. Well, but I mean, I think at any point, um, the 29-year-old version of ourselves would love to sit down with a 13-year-old version of ourselves. Oh, my God, like, totally. Dude, you're not going to believe this shit. <laughs> Guess what you're going to be doing and, in, like, 16 years. Yeah, so I think I think the, uh, you know, the, the sketchbook from days of yore, I think that is a great opportunity to get nostalgic and talk younger self. You know, and you're like, dude, look what we're doing now, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? And get excited about it. And so I just, I couldn't, I can't see having a, a, a book of knives that I wasn't tunnel visioned on that I had to make a reality that weekend. Otherwise I wouldn't mm. be able to sleep. Right. And then revisiting it. So I, I, I don't think that's a real thing. I think, uh, like Jim said, he, he comes up with a drawing, does a dimensional drawing. I think it's standard practice. Mm -hmm. You lay it across the, the piece of steel that you're going to be working on and you liberate the knife. Yep. I think that's it. Yep, totally. We just do it with, well, at least me, I just do it with, I do it with Dicom or uh, Engineer's Die yep. and, uh, and a scribe. Packing tape, and I cut the knife out, and I lay it down, and I'll scribe it out. What's the packing tape for? Uh, it's, to lay the, it's to lay the pattern down. Oh. So, um. I do spray adhesive. Oh, that's a great idea. <laughs> that's a great I did, idea. I wasn't following yeah. you with the... Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. I got you. Yeah, I yeah, know. Yeah. Well, I use a packing tape and, and screw up a scribe or an X-Acto blade. But no, the spray is a really good idea. Yeah. Okay, cool. Okay, yeah. Learn something. I'll learn stuff. All right. So um, I think that's... Uh, I think that that's it for this week, guys. We really hope that you enjoyed this episode. I know that we enjoyed producing it. We had a great time tonight. Holy shit. Yeah, like I said, I, we're, we're on cloud nine. So thank you so much for tuning in. And this is Matt Martin for Jim Stewart signing off and reminding you guys that friends don't let friends buy ugly knives. Hell no. Have a great week.
dead serious. Like, <laughs> are, are we recording? Yeah. We don't know. Yeah. I need a new tagline for the end. I don't like the tagline. Wait, are we recording? <laughs> <laughs> we, we should totally do that. Okay. Yeah.